Welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast, a place where we talk about the power of love and its creative expression in our lives. We talk about all things related to growth, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello, and welcome to episode 63, Falling in Love with Meditation. Marissa Imon is a creative entrepreneur, award-winning composer, and creator of hundreds of meditations featured by apps and brands, which collectively have millions of listens every month. She is an international Amazon best-selling author of the book, Super Intense, How Working With Your Emotional Intensity Makes You a Total Superhero, and the host of the Unconventional Meditation Podcast, Incandescent. In today's episode, we talk about the power of meditation, self-love, and knowing your worth. Let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. Today, we have a wonderful guest. Hey, how are you doing, Marissa? Hey, Corinne. So happy to be here. Welcome. And I always like to start off the podcast talking about love. And my question to you is, when was your moment where you started your journey on self-love? I love this question so much. So pretty much my whole childhood up until like mid-20s, I was under the impression that any emotion below neutral was a bad thing and needed to be medicated away. I mean, that's what all the doctors did for me. I ended up being diagnosed with bipolar type 1 at age 19 and had been a mixture of depressed and suicidal and anxious up until then and then even after being medicated. And all the messaging I received was like, don't look at those emotions. Those are bad. (laughs) Like fear is bad and it's evil. And if you look at it, like things will get worse. And then one day I I was just like, you know what? (laughs) How bad would it be if I actually turned around and looked at those things? And in taking the time to do that, it was the most loving act I had ever done for myself. And I realized that looking back on all those painful emotions, it was literally all just wounded parts of me from childhood, just wishing I would turn around and give them a hug. And once I started to do that, it began the journey to basically using self-love to live well with diagnoses that, I mean, we can get into that conversation later, that doctors say I'll have forever. But the point being, life had been really difficult (laughs) until I learned the power of accepting my emotions and loving myself through what I'm experiencing. Oh, that's beautiful. And it's really true. Like, I feel like a huge part of self-love is accepting and accepting all parts of ourselves, the negative, the positive, the good, the bad, all of it to get to become a whole person. Because I feel like if you're not accepting yourself, then you're fractured. And then that makes it, I don't want to say easier, but it's, you know, you can go off kilter in terms of your stability. Yeah, it's amazing how I actually feel like I can love myself even when I'm feeling self-hatred, like old feelings of self-hatred coming up it's different now because like when I was younger and I didn't have that tool of knowing it's okay to accept that and to love that and appreciate it, then it would just like, I try to do everything I could to ignore it and run away. But that simple act of like acceptance, even in the pain, lets it release. Yeah, it's counterintuitive, or at least it feels counterintuitive. Yeah. Because when you're in pain, you like want to push it away and hide it, but then it grows. It just gets bigger and then it has more power and then it starts to run your life. 
So once you're mm -hmm. able to accept it, then it really dissipates in a different way, which is something that we all learn as as we grow up. It's not we don't have the tools when we're little. And I don't think we would understand even if somebody had told me that at six, I'd be like, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have well, gotten it. I mean, I've been doing a lot of reflecting on like what I was told as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I remember being told like, when you're sad, just smile because you're going to lose friends. Like not told in that kind of harsh way, but like that was the general message. And I remember going to the guidance counselor and they would just try to like con convince you not to be sad. Like there was no encouragement. There was no message of like, oh, sad's good too. There, there was no acceptance of it. It was like sad's bad. <laughs> like don't feel it because you'll you won't have yeah. friends. And they would like give you a yarn cushy thing and be like, just hold this and just yeah. focus on this. But no one was like, hey, that's okay that you're sad. Feel it. You're still loved. You're still worthy all as well. It was like, quick, you better stop feeling that way. <laughs> well I think you have to have the emotional maturity to be able to show that to someone else. Like, I don't even remember having conversations about emotions with my parents. It was more like, yeah, just, we have to, you have to deal. You have to, be yeah. school, like you have to deal with life. There was no like, <laughs> let's have a conversation about what's happening. I think, it, you know, I also feel like it's a generational thing. Yeah. To, you know, like our they society, weren't taught either. Right. They weren't taught how to talk and communicate about their emotions. And so then, they were also taught they're bad. Right. And so I think our generation and generations that are younger have different conversations. Like when I talk to teenagers, I'm in awe of like the way that they talk about emotions. I'm like, that's so interesting. When I was a teenager, that was not what I was thinking. <laughs> so it's, I think it's definitely something it's an evolving of our humanity. As we evolve, I think people are becoming more open about talking about it, especially when they have sons. Like a lot of my friends yeah. that have boys are talking about, it's okay to cry, it's okay to be soft. Mm, and I'm like, oh, that's that so makes great. Me so happy. I know, me oh. too, because I'm like, that was not what I, my brothers were taught. We were just like, suck it up. You gotta yeah. do life. <laughs> there's like, you know, there's no crying in baseball. Like that really was like my life. <laughs> And I mean, I had super loving and supportive parents and it's not like they were ever like really harshly saying, don't feel what you feel. Yeah. But it's funny because as I'm now learning about, you know, just loving and accepting all the feelings, it's like I'm going through it with them. You know, like I feel like I've helped open a door for them to do the same because they weren't taught it either. So Beautiful. it's it's really interesting how I'm kind of glad that I'm discovering self-love later on in life like to not even open the door to it until my mid-20s and have to have spent all that other time before that in self-hatred i just feel like now i appreciate it so much more it's almost like i've <laughs> not been born again but like <laughs> it's like a new lease on life yeah and in, learning that in your mid-20s is wonderful because that's still quite young i feel like i started like what last year and I'm 40, so. Congratulations! <laughs> like oh my gosh, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like, and there are women I work with. timing. Right, and there's women that I work with that are in their 60s and 70s and are just discovering self-love. So it definitely, mm, yeah. It definitely takes time, for sure. Yeah. And no time is wrong, right? right. Whenever it happens, it's like, for some reason, it makes sense that we had all those experiences beforehand mm -hmm. because then it fits together like a puzzle. Yeah. And it's one of these things where like once you discover 
who you are, you start to step in the world differently and you start to move in a different way and you start to understand, oh my God, I'm, I'm a person that's meant to be here. Yeah. Like, wait, all the things I thought I was good at were me just trying to prove I'm worthy. Like that was my realization when it, when I first started to like dabble in accepting my emotions, I was in a job where I was working like 80 hours a week at a nonprofit. I loved it. I was running a youth program. I loved the kids. It felt like my family, but I realized once I started to do the work that I was using it as a crutch to avoid feeling my emotions. Like that's what it had been for me. And for me to like be working all the time and proving how worthy I am, how good I am, that's how I was deserving of love by doing things like that. That's what I believed then. And as soon as I started shedding that belief, which still pops up from time to time, so I'll have those yeah. wounds pop up where it's like, no, you gotta earn the love, you know? Like, uh, but it's different now because when you're mindful of it, it's it's like, oh, sweet baby, you thought that. <laughs> like, here's the truth, little darling. Like, it's like, you know, like you're your own mom, just like holding yourself and loving yourself through life and helping her see things differently. But mm-hmm. I realized I thought I was good at so many things, but it was just me trying to prove <laughs> my worth. And once yeah. I didn't need to do that so much, I was like, oh, wow, I'm bad at a lot of things, actually. <laughs> those things are not like being organized and on time and consistent and like uh, no I'm (laughs) when I'm more true to myself I'm I'm none of those things (laughs) well you're a creative I mean you're a creative person so you I mean you can and I had ignored that part of me for so long well I think creative creativity is one of these energies that's so beautiful and it's so unpredictable and it requires so much trust to just tap into your creativity and just let your creativity flow because there's no there's no end, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like if you do very logical things, you're like, okay, I go to law school, I go to med school, I become a doctor or a lawyer. It's very like, okay. But when you're creative, it's like, you just don't know. Like, you just don't know. <laughs> and it's so interesting. You have to be able to flow with that. And even me as a creative person, I have I'm always like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do this. Like a multi-passionate entrepreneur, I do multiple things. And it's always like, we just don't know. You always have to kind of let go. Oh, yeah, letting go. (laughs) I think, and the more that I, it it really feels like self-love was the door to self-discovery as well. Yes. Because it gives you permission to see all the parts of you that, or at least for me personally, it gave me permission to see all the parts of me that I had been kind of hiding in the shadows and in the Mm -hmm. corners because I was told that, you know, I couldn't explore those parts of me or whatever. And again, never maliciously. I, I fortunately never really had any like super malicious. I did have a guidance counselor who literally the first day I met her, she's like, okay, so what are you thinking of doing uh, for for a career when you grow up? This was ninth grade. I'm like, oh. <laughs> ninth grade. You know what? And at that point in my life, the, the idea was changing weekly. But in that particular week, my answer was, I want to be an interior decorator. And she just looked at me and goes, oh, just like so sweetly, (laughs) but like also so not sweetly. She goes, oh, you have to be creative for that. And then I was like, oh, you what? You're just looking at my face like you literally met me two minutes ago. What? And she wouldn't let me take um, art classes. And she's like, you're already in band. Um, that can be your only, and I wanted to do art and drama. Like those were the two things I most wanted to do. 
But because I was already in band, she said that that was enough of the creative uh, credits. Whoa. And because I like did not have any, I, I just wanted to be accepted so much. I was like, you're the authority. Like, I'll do whatever you say. I want to be the good girl. Like, let, like, let me just be the good girl. Sure. And I had no idea how, mm, I mean, that completely changed the course of my life with that guidance mm -hmm. because I didn't take any of the things I was passionate about. Um, and, you know, there was also the messaging when I did express to my parents, like one, one day after a concert, a band concert, I remember lying out back while the show was happening. It was like, I wasn't on stage or whatever. So I went outside and I lied on the grass with my saxophone on my chest. And I was looking up and Corinne, the only time in my life I've ever seen it, Northern lights were in the sky and, uh, they were green. And I was like, music, it's my passion. It's my purpose. Like I had this aha moment as like a little eighth grader. And I told my parents afterwards and they were just like, oh, that's so great, Marissa. You can always have that as a hobby. You oh, know, wow. like, you know, like <laughs> just like lovingly letting me know, like, we want you to be successful. And that's not how people are successful. Mm. Yeah. Parents always want the stable, most predictable route for all their children. It's amazing. Like my mom wanted me to be a lawyer and you know, I thought about it. I thought about it. And, but I was just like, I can't do it. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I was just like, and in my, you know, what's interesting. My mom is creative. My mom and, and my father were fashion designers. They're <gasps> uber creative, right? So my parents my are- My father was a fashion designer. Oh, really? I come from fashion design family too. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so like my brother's an artist. My mom, my mom put me in dance. My, bro my youngest brother is a musician. So I was kind of like, what? where do you think I would have been a lawyer? Like, this, like I was kind of- <laughs> We were hoping someone would have the stable job. Right. I was kind of like, <laughs> I don't understand. Like, and I, you know, and I went to acupuncture school and I became, you know, an ac and I am an acupuncture. So that's yeah. somewhat, but it's, of course, it's not like a doctor. It's a different, it's a different thing. But it's just interesting how parents always want stability. They just want stability. And I understand. And I get it. I get yeah. It. Like it. to love something so much that's outside of you. I don't have children. I don't know yeah. what that's like, but it's got to be terrifying. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And they just, and they just want you to be okay. So, exactly. And now yeah. that I am making my living through music and creative passions yeah. and I, gosh, I'm doing better now than I ever have in my entire life in every aspect of my life yeah all from like that opening the door to self-discovery through mm -hmm. self-love and then following all of my interests and passions mm -hmm. it's like though it had to come at the timing it came at in order for me to appreciate it i had to go through all the years of self-doubt and self-hatred and following paths that were just me trying to be the good girl and get stars gold stars you know <laughs> yeah following your passion is definitely i would definitely agree with you is a, an act of self-love just being able to follow your heart follow your desire and sometimes that doesn't always mean a career i think people right. always think oh just because i'm following my heart is going to equal monetary value you could follow your heart and your desires and it could be something that you do it doesn't necessarily mean that's what you do for work and it doesn't mean that it won't lead to a wild, awesome path right. to something else completely. Right. 
Yeah, and I think that's the thing about trust. It's funny, like if some if your heart's telling you you should start knitting, and you're like, I don't know, I don't like knitting, but okay. And then you know you start doing that, and all of a sudden you meet somebody that becomes like a really good friend or a partner. There's like so many reasons why our heart tells us to do something. Yeah, I and really want to yeah. emphasize what you just said is so crucial. The whole like if your heart says to knit and you're like, I don't like knitting, listen to the heart. Like right. it sounds silly, but yeah. I. I like feel like this grave seriousness within me right now when you said that because that's exactly it that's actually really hard work in a way when you're first starting because we've right. been programmed not to do that and so it's like this radical act of self-acceptance to listen to that tiny little quiet inkling that's like hey take that creative writing course like hey talk to that person over there like when you're in the grocery store and they're looking at an orange and, and like something about them makes you want to talk to them. Like following those inklings is so difficult, but the more we do it, this was my personal practice when I first started, the more I would do it with small things, the easier it was to do it with large things. So like one of the first inklings I got on my way to work one day was take that hair tie. It was like on the counter on my way out the door. I'm like, mm, my hair's already up. I don't need a hair tie. But I was like, okay, Marissa, you told yourself you'd commit to listening. So just listen. So I take it. It's about time to leave work. Still, this hair tie has not come into the picture. And I'm like, oh, I guess I don't know what the voice sounds like. And then just as I'm like starting to doubt the whole thing, someone says, ah, my hair tie broke and we're about to go to the gym. I need a hair tie. Does someone have one? And I was like, ah, save the day with the hair tie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so silly, but it helped give me so much confidence to listen to the rest of the voices when they're even bigger, when they're saying things like, today's the day you write your resignation letter out of the blue, which was a real thing that happened to me. <laughs> and it was terrifying to listen to, but it was the best choice. And uh <sighs> Yeah, start with the small things, I guess. is. Yeah, it's a really good piece of advice for sure. And one of the things also with the listening to your heart, it, it often doesn't give you a paragraph. It pretty much just gives you a sentence or a few words. And yeah. I think that, or maybe sometimes just one word. And or I think feeling. that's, or a feeling, right? And I think that's where people, a lot of people ask me like, okay, how do you know if it's your heart or your mind? Like what? is an indication that you're truly listening to your heart. And in my experience, the heart usually just gives you a sentence, a phrase. It's, it's not a long soliloquy or monologue of something. And I often feel relaxed. So mm -hmm. if my heart's like, okay, go left, my mind is gonna be like, well, I think you should go left because if you go left and you're gonna find this and this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen and then it becomes this whole conversation, I know it's the mind. <laughs> because exactly it, it gives me all the reasons like and then all the reasons and the reasons and it becomes like a a court where i feel like i always th think of my mind as like a lawyer because it always comes with evidence to back up <laughs> what it's saying exhibit a, exhibit says a. that turning should... left means there's traffic <laughs> exactly where like my heart would just be like turn left yeah yeah period and i'd be like but just left and yeah. i'm like okay that's my heart because there's no explanation so Something I've been getting into recently, like this is just out of curiosity for myself. I'm not an expert. Have you done your human design? I have. Oh my gosh. Learning about how we all have different ways that we have guidance within us mm -hmm. and how, so for me, I think the, the reason I'm able to listen to that is my guidance is my gut and I can feel like a yes or a no. Yeah. But I think if, 
if, uh, if whoever's listening hasn't done your human design and you're like, I can't feel that. I don't always feel that you might have a, a unique, some people have a different kind where it's like, you have to wait for 28 days and like really feel it out. And 28 and days. Yeah. That's one of the types. It's very rare, but I think like knowing how you best receive the guidance from your heart, like it might be a little bit more unique to you and exploring that's what that point, is. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought everyone just like heard that voice or felt that inkling. Um, but in reading the different kinds of guidance, it explains why some people, when I've said that, weren't able to mm -hmm. relate at all. Um, they might just have a different way. That's a good point. I think that's why the curiosity is so important to realize like what, um, how, you, how information comes to you. Yeah. And just finding your way. Oh, curiosity, Corinne. Yeah. I was just thinking about like all the trauma we probably all, not trauma, but like uh, the subconscious fears we have around curiosity. Cause I don't know about you, but as a kid, I heard a lot, curiosity killed the cat. Like, don't be curious, <laughs> it killed the cat. And I'm like an animal lover. And that phrase like terrified yeah. me. <laughs> I, and I took things really literally when I was little and still. And so like, I feel like my subconscious uh, linked curiosity with death. Death, yeah. And um and I'm realizing the more that I do this, the more curiosity really is the muscle that you flex, or at least that I flex when it comes to self-love, because it's a lot of asking myself, is that really true? That belief you have about yourself, dear darling, like, did you make that up? <laughs> oh yeah, they're all made up? Okay, so let's, yeah. let's get clear. What do we want? <laughs> it's so interesting how they did say that phrase a lot when we were you know, curiosity killed the cat, because I feel like it was just a way of, of controlling little kids, like running around, exactly. like doing, playing in things that they shouldn't be playing of. Curiosity kills a cat. Don't play with that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Trying to keep us safe and protected. And at the same time, like stunt our um, mental development. Yeah. Around that. <laughs> it is a good way to control a population though, <laughs> to kill curiosity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty much, I feel like part of being on this planet called earth is <laughs> undoing our childhood. Like, legit. Yeah. like there's so much stuff that happens when we're kids that as an adult, I'm just like, what was, why? But it's just wounded people help, you know, trying to gr raise wounded people. Like I've had so yeah. many teachers, so many counselors just say so many inappropriate things because they themselves are going through stuff. And yeah. so really, as I've gotten older, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of compassion for myself but also compassion for the people that were doing it the best they can and some of them were, were malicious some of them were not but either way it's just like man it's just like undoing way, the childhood it's wounding yeah uh, yeah even the malicious that just comes from their own internal right. fears which means their own wounds and you know i'm curious because you you've kind of opened that self-love door more recently and i'm curious if this seems true to you but it felt to me like when i did that it felt like i woke up in a video game mm -hmm. and i realized i didn't know i had been playing levels all along but i had been accumulating a whole bunch of bosses you know and now that the door is open i can look at those bosses with love and be like by bosses, I mean like, you know, like the end of the level. I don't know if they still call them that, but like Super Mario, like the end of the level was the boss. Um, and it's like every time I find a pattern that had repeated in my life, like for a long time at work or in romantic relationships, I'd be in a situation where I was taken advantage of, taken for granted, manipulated and lied to. Mm -hmm. And I realized that by opening the door to like past pains and loving and forgiving all those parts of me, those patterns 
kind of dissipated or they'd get less and less intense with each new cycle. Of course, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, love is a long journey. You know, I moved to California 15 years ago and I started this whole spiritual journey of understanding what love is. And for me, it was a, it's like an onion. You hit the same wound yeah. in different levels and it's deeper and deeper and deeper. So for the last 15 years, it's like understanding what love is and how to receive love. And then once I was able to really understand that, then it turned into how do I love myself? And I feel like Yeah. every year, every day, every moment, I become more and more in love with myself and in love with love. But it takes a long time to kind of get into that groove of understanding who you are. Because then, then like you were mentioning, like some triggers will happen and it's like, oh, I thought I handled this. Oh, Yeah. this is <laughs> It just, it's just another la layer. And especially it's true when you're in romantic relationships. I think those are the places or intimate friendships. Those are the places where you think you dealt with something and then all of a sudden it comes up. But you're like, oh, oh, I, I thought I forgave my dad. And then here here's a guy that provokes something. And you're like, oh, Yeah. deeper healing, deeper healing. The real So, school is those relationships. Yeah. yeah. So honestly, it's like love is just this endless. That's why it's infinite, right? That's why the show is called Infinite Mm, yeah. Love, because it's like th there's no end, really. It's just <laughs> oh. Lifetime goes deeper, to lifetime, either. lifetime to lifetime, right? You go to another life and it goes deeper and deeper and deeper and it never really Mm. Yeah. ends. So. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I've got all these chills. My love is a lifelong journey. What did you say? Love is a long journey. It just sounded like beautiful song lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful that you write music i i was always like you know if i could choose i mean i, I on some subconscious level right i chose this life and i'm like next time i want to be a singer songwriter <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's fascinating is I just had this aha moment about a past life. Um, I've had a few past life regressions and, but this wasn't a regression. Actually, this was a psychic, um, with, I don't know if you know the psychic Laura powers. She also has a podcast, but she was telling me about a past life where I was an opera singer and Nice. how, yeah, which is funny. Cause I actually like for fun will like sing operatic, like to make myself laugh. And <laughs> I've always enjoyed doing that. So I thought I love that was really opera interesting, singing. but she said that I like kind of found fame at the demise of all loved ones. Like I found fame at all cost kind of thing. Ah. And it's funny because in this life, as soon as I could speak, I was singing and I would, I would, I remember like standing outside, I'd, I'd be the kid in the grocery store who'd be singing out the top of her lungs to everyone. and wanting all this like attention on me for it. And in doing healings recently, all of a sudden one day I woke up and, I, and a desire for fame was gone. And I realized it wasn't a desire for fame. It was a need for validation externally. And the realization I'm having about the lesson from the pat from one of many past lives into this Mm hmm one Yeah. is that I still can like love music and play and perform, but I can uplift others along the way. And that Right. when we all rise, it's good for all of us. And I feel Yeah. like this is my life to like revel in that and party in that and enjoy that feeling. Yeah, it's amazing to be able to be creative and have that disconnection from the fame part, because the fame part can be I don't know, it doesn't look fun. <laughs> like, right on.
I mean, it's an aspect of it that's cool, and I think media and television kind of makes it cool, just like they get to go, you get to go on jets, you have this fancy, fancy life, but then it looks at the same time super lonely and painful. Yeah, there's a lot to it. Yeah. yeah, and I just can't imagine, like, not being able to walk down the street and have privacy. I think that's the part that I'm like, I've always, when I lived in L.A., I was like, you know, if I was going to enter this Hollywood world, I would want to be a producer, yeah because a producer makes more money than the artist and nobody knows about them right you know they're, they're not being like, chased down by paparazzi right yeah. right i think people in the industry know them but like the average human doesn't know who they are so they can live their normal lives but yet still be in a world where you know they can produce what they want to produce and create all the things yes. that they want to create. it's a really nice medium <laughs> like that's a nice yeah. like space but either way, it's like you have to be destined to have that kind of life. I think it's part of like. Yeah, very well could be one of the lessons that you came in to this life to experience. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm realizing is my desire now, like the thing that's kind of shaping my path and, and my growth is maximum fun. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> mine is max. Mine is absolute joy. Like if it doesn't yeah, yeah, bring yeah. me joy. I don't want to do it. Like, <laughs> I don't do it. And fun, yeah, fun is similar. Like, I feel like life is too short to not enjoy. I think COVID has really honed that in for me because I'm like, you know, the madness of the world. I just want to have fun. I just want joy in my life. Like, this kind of, I'm kind of done. Well, I was raised by a mother who would remind me every day that I could die any second. Are like you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so by the age 10, I cut my hair for the first time ever. And it was a really big deal in my family, right? I cut my baby hair off. And my mom was walking by as I was looking at it in the mirror, playing with it. And she's carrying laundry, just nonchalantly walking by. I'm like, Mom, thanks for the haircut. I love it. She goes, Oh, enjoy your hair while you have it. Because when you get cancer, you won't have hair. And like by 10, I was so used to comments like that, that I cracked up. I was like, you are so funny. And she has no idea. Like she just keeps walking like, and she's so spiritual, Corinne. She's a Reiki master. She's like, she's so connected to, that <laughs> to is like hilarious. love and the universe. But she's like all about how we could die at any minute. She's right. And she's not wrong. <laughs> So I think because at such a young age that was like ingrained in me, mm -hmm. um, maybe that's fueling this whole maximum fun thing because who yeah. knows when the party's over. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think, I mean, it's an important lesson to teach people because it's like we only have this very moment that we're in. There's no it's guarantee. So like we can die at any moment. So every day is like a, a gift. Yeah. You know, like, so every time I get in my car, I'm like, I may or may not get to work today. You know, because you just you see, at least at least in California, there's accidents every day. Like every time I get right. on the road, there's an accident. There's something happening, and you just never know. So for me, it's absolutely true. Like any moment, our time could be up. And then I feel like after when COVID was happening, I was like, oh my god, I could die. And then on my deathbed, I'm gonna say, what have I done with my life? Mm. Like I was kind of like, I haven't done much. You know, and I, that's kind of what spurred the podcast. And I was like, okay, I need to up-level my life because at least if I die at this point, I could be like, okay, well, I've done this, I've done this. And I feel like wow. I've, I've and you're fulfilled doing my mission. Thank yeah. you. I mean, there's so much more to go, but I there's feel like yeah. at least if I'm on my trajectory on my path and if I die on my path, then I'm like, okay, 
well, right. at least I'm doing it as opposed to like not doing it and dying and feeling like I haven't done what I wanted to do in my life. But, and you know, we're, if we, you know, this is personal choice and preference, but I prefer to view myself as an infinite being temporarily incarnating this round of a physical life to help me expand and grow and learn new things. Yeah. And uh, when I think about myself that way, it feels so much more comfortable to think about how like, okay, well, whenever the time is up, I know it's like my infinite intelligence yeah. being like, okay, we're ready for the next thing. It's not that that life's over it's that this particular incarnation yeah. is wrapped up yeah that's a you know i i totally agree with you and i and i have that thought i think for me it's like when, ever since i was little i was always had the like okay god i'm on this planet which i don't really like and so <laughs> um what can i do so i don't have to come back here <laughs> that's always been my mission <laughs> Like, or planets like this. Like, I was That's like... That's funny. I've heard my mom say the similar thing. Like, I was like, I want to just get evolved. I want my soul to evolve to a point where I can go to a place that's not so... That has so much suffering. But at the same time, like, as a healer or as a person of light, places like this planet provide work. Yep. <laughs> and growth. And growth. and For us all. Right. So this is a planet where I feel like you go through so many lifetimes of of study of evolution of your spirit happens so much faster on a planet like this because there's so much trash mm. that needs to be yeah. done yeah. um so for me i just want to get it done mm. just get it done like, do whatever <laughs> i need to do go through any experience i need to go through have my soul evolve become an awakened soul and transition to somewhere else um so that's been like ever since i was little i was like okay god <laughs> I've been here enough times. I'm good. <laughs> good on this planet. And the beautiful thing is when, you know, with infinite love <laughs> comes infinite next and next and next, whatever that might be on the journey. Yeah. But then there's also the part of me that has to surrender. Like, I don't know. We don't mm -hmm. know what life I, we don't no. know, truly know what's on the other side of this life. And I that's kind of the fun. Yeah. And I could also be thrown back into the 16th century. Who knows? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, another good reason to hold on to this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, I don't know. Have you ever have you ever read this book? This is totally out there, but this one, this one book called Over Over Soul Seven by by um, Jane Roberts. Um, she's a woman that used to channel Seth in the 70s and 80s. Oh, but it's a really interesting book about the soul. I've not. And the soul has multiple incarnations. Mm -hmm. So one soul in this book had like seven incarnations at multiple times. Yeah. Right. So one soul was born at, let's say, 17 or that she was born in the 21st century. And then she died. She, she was an old lady. She died. She went to heaven. She had this whole experience. And then she wanted to get reincarnated. But she wanted to get reincarnated in like 1701 or something. And the the guy was like, why do you want to go backwards? But then there was this whole concept of time and experiences and her soul needed to learn something specific. So the soul went back. And I was like tripping out when I read this. I was like, you know, in your mind, in our linear mind, we're thinking, okay, if I go, if, if reincarnation exists, we're always going to be moving forward. Right. So I'm going to go into like the future. I'm going to go into a world where there's peace the time and harmony. is like a human construct. Right. So then that kind of blew my mind because I was like, that means I can go back to like 
slavery and apartheid and all this like terrible things, Holocaust, I can go back to these times because time is not linear. Non-linear, yeah. So I, but the that thing kind is, of, if we're choosing it, we're choosing then, it. Yeah. We're choosing it on a soul level, but on a conscious yeah. level, we don't really know that when we're yeah. incarnated, right? Like we, we yeah. chose, we can say that, but in our day-to-day -day life, we, when we're suffering and we're in pain, we're not consciously like, oh, I chose to be well you know but then we can choose you know we can always uh this is the question i ask myself what box am i in that i don't know i'm in like i feel like i'm yeah, always yeah. like a jack in the box like cut like but like a russian doll version like right. i just keep like popping up and it, it's a lot of like me realizing all the beliefs i've chosen like the things i've mm -hmm. believed were hard the things i believed were painful like all the self-hatred and suicidal ideation or desires really it was like I, I wanted to kill myself so badly for so long yeah. and i was just like such a wuss and like couldn't figure out <laughs> how to do it <laughs> thank goodness um like <laughs> um but anyway i i realized a lot of those things were like a perspective i had chosen and it was mm -hmm. a tough pill to swallow because like i I didn't want to believe that was all me choosing to perceive things that way. But right. once I did accept that and I was like, oh, I could shape whatever my perceptions are and choose to perceive things however I want, right. which is really difficult to, to start switching into when you've been diagnosed clinically insane and have been, you know, <clears throat> had to put your sanity under a microscope kind of mm -hmm. and question like, is this sane? Is this normal? And then you realize like when you look out in society, there's a lot of things that are absolutely <laughs> Uh, not healthy, but considered sane and normal. And so in the unraveling and healing of being diagnosed clinically insane and accepting that no matter what, I'm the one responsible for how I perceive things, I feel like mm, a lot of my ultimate work is like shaping my perception so that it most suits me for my highest good, whatever that might be. Yeah. And taking full responsibility, I feel like is... Um everything and how yeah. you shift it's like that book the gift i don't know if you've ever read that book i've heard of it but i haven't read it I've... oh my god by edith something i forget her name but she was a holocaust survivor and it was kind of that same idea of like taking responsibility of how she's gonna feel in the moment of whatever disaster is happening around her and it was really powerful and i think that's what makes you evolve and have that emotional maturity and take ownership and manifest the life that you want is creating yeah. that responsibility. And that's kind of why it's interesting because we, we chose, we chose, we choose our lives and we choose the decisions Like we make these decisions and it's not out of our control. And it took me years to kind of come to that place where I'm like, Oh, okay, I'm choosing this. And I could choose to make, to do something different. I could choose to be loving instead of hateful or mean. And those are day to day choices that I can make. Yeah, minute to minute choices. It's right. so true. And like one day I could choose. I'm, I'm like kind of like my dog. Like my dog. Some days my dog will eat food, no big deal. And I've had him for seven years. He's 15 now. I'm so proud of him. But some days like he'll look at me like I'm trying to poison him. Mm. And I, when I try to feed him the same food he liked the day before, and I think about how it really is like a continual choice yeah. to choose to perceive things as loving, mm -hmm. and. And you got to make that choice for yourself every right. moment, even yeah. if it's the same thing that you're being presented with. It's easy for us to be like, oh, but is it safe? 
I know it's it's That's a us. it's a choice and it's also surrender because there is life. I mean, there's so many so many things that are out of our control or seemingly out of our control, right? Like the moment we die, like you know, unless we kill ourselves. But then at the same time, that was probably destined. Like I right. tried to kill myself multiple times, also, but just ah, uh, yeah. It was like I tried. I had I call it like suicide, not so suicidal, like because I couldn't actually kill myself but i yeah. put myself in situations where it would have been i could have died like i had a yeah. car accident kind of thing <clears throat> yeah yeah but it was interesting because i realized that i was creating that right these almost near-death experiences were something i was creating because i was fixated on ne the negative and the pain and all of that and since i was able yes. to shift those situations haven't happened so it's really interesting like what you're saying like i totally resonate with that where really like shifting your perspective makes this life much easier because i hated the planet so much i wanted to be out right yeah and then that, yeah when I, I, I actually it, loved the planet and hated myself but i feel you oh i hated the planet i was like i'm done with this planet. i'm like i'm done why was i brought here i could have been back in the bosom of wherever i came from and um and i think now it's for me my my journey is how do i love people and and loving people loving the goodness and good focusing on the goodness of the planet and focusing mm. on the beauty focusing on the positive things so that are happening. much to focus and there's on, so yeah. much to focus on so when i can focus on that the planet doesn't seem as trash trashy i know what you mean yeah it really is an internal decision and choice mm. yeah but that can feel like a horse pill sometimes yeah it's a lot of when you're first making that shift <laughs> yeah it's it takes a lot i mean you really have to want to see things yeah. see the glass half full yeah because we're really taught to look at the glass as half empty yeah um especially when you're a sensitive empathic person it's just like you just get bogged down with this like oh my god what is happening on this planet and that's why for me personally, like the self-love work is even more important because mm -hmm. when I'm in me, when I'm like inside myself connected, you know, feeling my body, feeling my right. breath, feeling my heartbeat, feeling that kind of like non-physical presence that you can kind of access in meditation and yeah. when you're just like in the moment, then it's so much easier, not easy, but easier, <laughs> sometimes easy, but <laughs> to be in situations where people are feeling really harsh uh, emotions and experiencing a lot of pain, right? Growth, you know, and not view it as a bad thing, but be able to stay in neutrality and recognize that that soul chose some of this like difficulty they're going through for their overall arching theme of growth. And who am I to like try to stop that or take that away from them? Like I'm here to serve however I can, but someone's got to be open to the change. And I remember when I wasn't and how someone tried to tell me, you're responsible for your thoughts and beliefs like you you don't have to be so depressed i would have been like like sorry i almost swear but like i i, I would have put them in their place and told them how wrong they were you know right. there's got to be that willingness factor that you're talking about it's it's work to get where you're at you know where we're both at in that sense of like understanding the deeper meaning of how you show up in the world and the only thing that we can change is ourselves like yeah. for me like that song man in the mirror like that's like legit like or the yeah. woman in the mirror mm -hmm. or the person in the mirror <laughs> like yeah 
just being able to really see like the things that I can change about myself alters the people in my life, alters 100%. my whole life. And that makes the change that I want to see in the world starts yeah. with for sure yourself. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into the infinite love questions. Fun. So the first one is how do you express love in your work? So before I record any meditation, I always kind of connect to my heart and open up to receive the highest, most loving uh, message possible for everyone who will listen across all timelines. And then I kind of feel the feeling of people feeling that divine love when they listen before I create. Um, and then with like comedy and music, it's a lot of um, being open, willing and ready to receive something whenever I'm in like a good place and and to follow that, you know, like if I like this morning, I was just sitting on my couch and a song came to me and I was like, OK, I hear you. I feel you. Let's go record it. And it's kind of being willing to be a vessel is uh, with the intention for it being for the highest love. Oh, I love that. Where has forgiveness brought more love into your life? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, forgiving myself helps me forgive everyone else. And I find that like sometimes people are people ask me, well, how do you forgive? Like if you're hung up on something and what really helps me is finding appreciation, mm -hmm. because as soon as I can appreciate, um, you know, the pain within me, then I've instantly let it off the hook. So sometimes just starting there helps me with forgiveness, but literally it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I do the same thing, actually, appreciation, because I feel like if because it goes back to that perspective thing, right, where you're like looking at the situation that's painful, that somebody you perceive that somebody hurt you. Right. So you're in this pain space. But then if you could really look at it like, oh, like, what is this? this is an opportunity for me to grow and to learn. Yeah. And this person has given me the opportunity to see this part of myself that's wounded, that's triggered, that needs love and healing. So I can bring more love and light into this pain point so I could heal. Thank you person for hurting me so I could learn that part of myself. A hundred percent. Thank you triggers. I love yeah. getting triggered because it's just like, oh, poof, hey there. I didn't know that was right. still raw within me. Exactly. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> right. But whew, that takes some time to get to that place where you can actually start to see that. And I think if now. we could like just be lighter about it too in general as a society, because I think a lot of like us have been programmed that it's bad to feel below neutral. Mm -hmm. But if instead we're like, hey, that's just guidance. Like it's it's light. It's just letting us know this is this is something to look at. I think making it light and being able to laugh at it, because a lot of the times when I pull out those statements, you know, like I'll pull out a fear-based statement if I get triggered by something a lot of times the statement is like nobody loves you like that'll be like the underneath yeah. it and it's like oh cutie like nobody like so my parents my boyfriend my dog like none of them actually like what what kind of world is this they're all faking it why are they all faking it like that's weird what <laughs> are they getting paid is this a truman show like you can kind of realize like how absurd what's underneath the trigger often is and when you can kind of like shine light on it and laugh at it it's just so much lighter yeah. that's just my personal experience yeah it's it is lighter when you can when you're able to corral that pain into into that space i think i like what you said about having people be okay with pain i think that's a good starting place like being okay that you're in pain like knowing you know one of the things about pain that's interesting it's temporary 
Yeah. And it's just made up that it's bad. Someone made up that it's bad and we all drank the Kool-Aid and we're like, yeah, pain's bad. But it's like, who, who said like we, we've invented that it's bad and we're believing in that invention. Like just change that invention in your mind. And then next time you feel pain or triggered, instead of feeling like it's bad, you'll be like, oh, this is helpful. Thank you. I'm ready to grow. (laughs) Like it still hurts, but it doesn't hurt as badly as when we also think it's a bad thing that just like compounds it. True. What is the most compassionate act someone has done for you? What's interesting is that it's letting me feel how I feel without trying to change it and without trying to like make it better, you know, but it's funny because I don't remember having that happen to me until I did it for myself. But now that I do it for myself, I feel like that's how people treat me when I'm feeling sad or or depressed or whatever it might be, because I still go through ups and downs, but now they don't A, take over my life like they used to, and B, don't last like nearly as long as they used to. And I feel like, I don't know if I've trained the people around me to to love and accept me through it, or if me doing that for me now just makes me a match. I think it's that, I think it's the latter, for people to do that for me. But that is, that's what I can think of, is just like being like, yeah, go ahead and cry. I love you. I'm here for you. Get it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. What do you love most about your life? <laughs> My life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how do you do? I have my dog, my boyfriend, my home, my ability to like have a free schedule where I can create when I want to create. And it all started like this whole work started when I was working those 80 hours a week. I had left an unhealthy relationship. I was still struggling with emotions. I was heavily medicated, but I just knew there had to be a better way. And now like nine years later, every aspect of my life is something that I'm really deeply in love with. Even I'm still healing like some physical ailments and that I know are tied to emotional that I'm uncovering. But even those I'm so thankful for because they're like leading to the next level of growth and opportunity for me. So I can't pinpoint one. (laughs) I love that. All of that. It's great. How do you feel you receive love? Because I have an, an open emotion center in my human design, I can feel whenever someone else is feeling it. And I've noticed that like I kind of glob onto those moments. <laughs> um, but I'm also learning that I have put up walls around receiving in terms of needing to be worthy first. Mm-hmm. And so now a lot of my work that I've been doing is like sitting back when someone needs help with something and not helping until I'm asked and still feeling like loved and respected, even though I'm not like, oh, you're out of water. Let me go get your water. Oh, like, like t- just like when it's not even in my place, like I used to do that to ingratiate myself to receive. And the more that I've been mindful of that, the more I've been able to let myself feel loved, even when I'm not proving anything. Yeah. I love that. Where has love created a miracle in your life? Love is the miracle. Um, Every time that I shift from fear to love, it instantly like changes everything. And I I think love, love is the miracle. And so there's so many all throughout the day. Yeah. You know, recognizing a miracle is always such a loving act for yourself i think that's also too true too. Yeah. like re- recognizing oh my god that was a miracle that was a miracle because miracles happen every day and every moment yeah yeah so it's you know the fact that we're breathing this breath yeah yeah so yeah. 
it's always bringing us to that, um, at least for me, bringing me to a place of appreciation and gratitude. And I think love helps us see the miracle. Like when we yeah. can feel love versus fear, like we can really see, oh, wow, the sun is shining. There's that beautiful stained glass in my window that someone made for me. How amazing is that? Like, it's like you just look at the world like you're in an amusement park and your right. life is it, it, <laughs> is that. You're like, wow, yeah. I'm on this awesome vacation in this place called my life. <laughs> right. Like you have new eyes. Exactly. And I think for me, discovering love has helped me appreciate the planet and see the beauty in it and see mm. all the things that are worth living for. Right? I get that. Because otherwise, I think I would just, I would be out. I would have been out already. I would have figured yeah. out a way to get out. Right, right. Sounds like you would have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have. Like, I mean, the when I turned 40, I was amazed that I was still alive. Because mm. I was just like, oh my God, I made it past, I mean, <laughs> no, when I made it, I made it to, because I never really thought I was going to get past 30. So when I hit 30, I was like, oh, my God, I'm 30. And then I whole 10 more years of that. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, OK, I'm still on the planet. I'm still here and I'm still happy to be here and I'm still excited. So it was just like a big moment for someone that wanted to kill herself for 29 years, you know. So yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, we have so much in common. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my God, I'm here and I'm alive. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny to be able to talk about that with a smile. And I'm glad that yeah. you can relate. <laughs> No, I'm like glad, but not, you know, like good, bad, who's to say? That's something my dad would say to me all the time as a kid, like good, bad, who's to say? We we don't have the full picture yet, mm -hmm. but you know, now that you're in the space where you're like appreciating that you went through that, it's like, oh yeah, I, that could have been viewed as bad, but now it's easy to view it as good. Well, I, you know, I think um, a lot of people kill themselves every day and I think suicide has been up since COVID started. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. um, and I don't think people talk about it enough because it's so painful. You know, and I think that's part of the issue too, is that if we keep it secretive and we make it some like taboo topic, then people are going to be less comfortable sharing how they feel. And, you know, sometimes I question like, should I talk about how I used to feel? But I think that it's healthy to just like, you know, nothing that we feel is bad and being honest about how we feel is the only way that we can shift it and move into what we want versus what we don't want at least my personal experience that's what the case yeah, was and i think a lot of people um put suicide in terms of it, i mean it's definitely a mental illness but then if you never get diagnosed like i never got diagnosed because mm -hmm. i never went i was not taught to go to the doctor around mental illness because my parents were like that's, that's not a thing and so i never you know i never got help i just I feel like God saved me really because there was really nothing else that was really able to take me out of that space. And, um, and it's a thing. Like when I, when I talk about it, people are like, Oh my God. Yeah. That was, you know, the more I talk about it, the more people that, um, share that they've had that similar experience that, you know, and yeah. it's, and it's, it's, a uh, it's, and I'm so grateful that I'm out of it because yeah, me too. It's consuming. I remember oh it consuming God. every breath I took, every, every thought I had. Yeah. It was like someone would smile at me and I, I'd smile back and, and I, you know, my parents had a fortune for me to have this giant smile. And I, and I remember feeling like, I hope they can feel that I am acting happy because I got to figure out like how I'm going to take care of this. Now I go home and write letters to everyone. Like, I love you, but I had to do this. Like I'd spend all my time planning it. 
and like trying trying to figure it out it was so consuming it was like i think of all the moments i i didn't have because that's all i could think about and it's interesting because i used to every day think about ways that i could die like it was like mm-hmm. every time I'd go someplace, I'd go to like, I'm from New York City. So I'd be in the subway. I'm like, somebody could just push a lot me. of ways in New York City. Right. I was like, somebody could just push me in front of this train and I could just die. Mm-hmm. Somebody could just stab mm-hmm. me right now. And like literally every moment was like, how can he kill me? How can she kill me? Like it was just like crazy. And now when I think about it, taking all that energy and focusing on how can I love myself? How can I love people? And it almost feels like life had to bring me to that negative place my the first half of my life so that I could really shift and use that energy just for something positive because I definitely wouldn't be the person I am today if I wasn't suicidal my whole childhood right you know I feel you it's kind of like a game of uh do you ever have that book as a kid that I spy book where it's got all those pieces yeah it's kind of like that you know if you don't know what you're looking for you're probably not going to find it like but if you're looking for something you will Right. So like, if you know you're looking for a marble, you're going to find the marble. <laughs> if you know you're looking for death, you're going to find how you could die. If you're going to, if you're looking for love, you're going to find love. So like, what are we looking for? Yeah. And looking for death for so long. I mean, then I started to look for life. I was like, okay, I want to live. Like I want to yeah. live and I want to be happy and I want to be joyful. And I don't want to be thinking about dying every day. Like I want to be thinking about beauty and love and healing. And so it took years, but then I finally did it. And one day when I, when it was like, when it was over, I was like, oh my God, (laughs) the first day I walked out my light, my house and not think about dying. It was like, it was a miracle. Like a coming home. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, I can finally think about something else. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy uh, for you. I love that. Yeah. And so I think, you know, a lot of people and I, for anyone that's listening to that, I mean, it, 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 it can happen. Yeah. It, and, and to not give up, like it's such a commitment. I, and I have to commit every day because I still just, uh, like a month and a half ago, something happened and I dropped so fast. This I joke that I'm like a boulder on a thin cliff. And to my left is like suicidal depression to my right is uh like absolute manic joy. That's like over the top and unhealthy also. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy for me to like drop down one way or another. And it's really important that I stay like centered and grounded. And um, my boulder dropped into suicidal feeling and thinking very recently. And I was surprised because it had been quite a while. But this time it was like, okay, well, I have my arsenal of tools. Like I have friends and family I who all know the journey I've been on. They know the tools I use because I've been sharing them. And, you know, in the past where it would take over my life, this was the longest I'd felt it for a while, but it took about three days of my life. And the whole time I knew at this time, at least I know that I'm going to shift my mind again and it's going to happen. Like I didn't feel like I was stuck this time. It felt like this is temporary and I will love myself through this. I will feel it because I think it's just teenage Marissa not feeling completely heard. And she is raging right now, ready to be heard. (laughs) And, and so I just knew I had to be patient with it. And, um, it was really hard and really painful, but so beautiful at the end it was like i birthed a new me yeah yeah that's really amazing and beautiful and i it's so it shows your work that you that internal work that you've it, done yeah and committing every day yeah. it's like it hasn't nine it's been daily nine years of like committing to my the way i perceive the world and being gentle right. on myself and mm-hmm. and not trying to push away anything i feel because yeah. that just made it worse yeah that mental the mental health and i feel like 
what heal what heals that is that commitment and that spiritual love energy to really ground it because yeah. at least for me that's like what's worked um yeah i feel that yeah, yeah. otherwise i don't know where i would be it's kind of crazy yeah. and um so this has been an amazing conversation i feel I've like we're kindred, it, kind, kindred spirits <laughs> i'm so glad we had this i agree thank yeah. you so much and how could people find you learn about you I have a whole bunch of free resources at Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-A, Imon, I-M-O-N, like Simon without the S, dot com. There's like meditations, there's a free manifesting course, there's music, uh, comedy, all sorts of stuff. So cool. it's all there. Thank you so much for sharing your light, your love, your laughter, and your vulnerability about your journey to your heart. And I so appreciate you and your time. Oh, I so appreciate you and your time. Thank you so much, Corinne, for all you're doing. This is beautiful. I love this. Yay. Well, I'm sending you lots of love. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.